0: You're listening to The Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about The Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. Good morning, everyone. My name's Joe. I'm one of the pastors here. Just as surprised as you are. But uh, I want to welcome you if you're if you're new here to The Oaks. Uh, the main thing we focus on is Christ and His Word. In the Spirit of God and this morning we'll be in the word in first John chapter 2 starting in verse 18 through verse 27 and last last week last Sunday we talked about um, the things we have in Christ the promises we have in Christ. we are forgiven. Because of the name of Jesus, because of what he has done. And we know the Father, we know Jesus, and we should never take those things uh, lightly, or we should never take those things as mundane, that we know the Father, that we are children of God, that he has lavished his grace upon us, he has loved us greatly, that we could be sons and daughters of the Father. God. And then we talked about loving not the world, but loving God. And the only way we can not love the world is if we love the Father. Because you cannot have both. Those two things are in conflict. And so if you know and you love the Father, and you love Jesus, and you follow Jesus, you cannot be in love with the things of this world. Because we know the truth about those things. They all pass away. But what will last forever, what will remain forever, is God's word and his people with him. We can be with God eternally because of what Christ has done. And so, we should not love the world because the things of the world do not last. They do not last. But we should We should love God and the things of God because those things will last. they last forever. Moths, things cannot take that away. But our clothes, gold, money, jobs, all those things will not last forever. They're just temporary. So when we love the Father, He is our great reward. He is our portion. He is the one. That will last forever. He is eternal. And that is our hope, that we will be with him forever. And so that's what we talked about last week. This week, John starts to talk about the Antichrist. He uses that term, which kind of can scare people, like, oh, no. Now we're going to talk about Antichrist. We're going to talk about the end times and all that stuff. Don't, Don't go there quite yet. Let's look in the context of what John is saying about Antichrist. And let's read this scripture in the light of the context of the things he's been saying before. And also, go ahead and read the things behind. So let's read 1 John chapter, eight, chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth. You do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you remain in him let's pray father thank you for your word God I pray as we as we seek out the meaning that John has for the church that we would we would take it and we would apply it to our lives and father there is so much truth in this passage that you would reveal it through your spirit not through your servant God I pray that you would speak through me God, that you would move in the hearts of your people, that you would cause us to be more like your son, Jesus, that we would fight the good fight, that we would not back down from lies, that we would stand up for the truth because the spirit of God is in us, that we would fight for the truth of Jesus Christ and what he is, what he has done for us and who he is, the work, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us understand this passage through Jesus' name. Amen. So I believe the main point of this passage is this. There are people who are against Christ. There are people who are against Christ who want to lead us astray, who want to lead you astray. But if we abide in the Word and the Spirit, Will have protection from being deceived. From so, some of you here are like, okay, that doesn't apply to me today. I believe it does. I believe there are people who will try to deceive you. Me personally, I have experienced that right next door. I know what it's like to try to be deceived of the truth. But tell me that this isn't who Jesus is, Jesus isn't really God. In the flesh. I have a huge problem with that because it's not the truth. Because the scripture teaches that God is one with the Father. It teaches that He has full deity. So I have a problem with that teaching. Why? Because it is false. It is a lie. And if I start believing that, then my foundation is completely gone. Who do I believe in then? Do I believe in the Jesus that is here, that was taught from the beginning? No. If I don't believe God Jesus is God in the flesh then I miss the Jesus that is here in the scriptures. I miss the truth of what God has done by sending his son. Capital S. He is God in the flesh. And he also came in the flesh. He really was human. He really died. And there was people that was telling the church that this isn't true. And this is what this is what John is writing about. There's people who would deceive you and say, no, no, that's not the Jesus that you think he is. It's a different Jesus. There's a, there's a special truth about Jesus that you really don't know. He can't be truly human because he's God, right? Or he can't be God because he's human. And so they, they, t- they talk about Jesus as if he's not who he really is. And that's a problem. And it's a problem for us today. It's a problem for us today. And it's a problem because people have knocked on my doors that are my next door neighbors and told me this. They told me lies. And they're so genuine about it. And they're such good people. and They do great things. But that's not the Jesus I know. It's not the Jesus that's here in the scriptures so I can't trust it. In, my, in the spirit of God within me says, don't trust it. Don't trust this lie because the truth is in you. You have believed, you have been saved, you've been bought with a price by this Jesus, the one who came down from heaven bought us with the price of blood and has risen and is sitting right at the right hand of God. So there are people who are against Christ and who will try to lead you astray But if we abide in the word and the spirit, then we will have protection from being deceived. So let me give you the two reasons that I think John, I believe that John writes this section. And he makes it pretty clear with, uh, in verse 21 he says, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Okay, so one of the reasons he's writing is because there's believers that he's writing to. There's people who do know the truth. He wants to encourage them with all this talk about, look, there's people among you. There's people who don't really know God. He's he's giving assurances. All this talk about that, all this writing, he wants to assure them in their faith. He wants to let them know you are people of the truth. You are people who have the Holy Spirit. You are people who abide in the word. He wants to encourage them in that. So this, that is one reason why he writes. Because he wants to separate those who are Christians and those who are antichrist. Those who are against Christ. and So he wants to make that, that separation very clear. And then in verse 26 he says, again very clear, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. You see he's writing... This because he wants to let us know the truth about what's going on. There are people there who are trying to lead you away from the truth. They're trying to lead you away from the Jesus that you have heard of from the beginning. That you have trusted, that you have put your faith in from the beginning. That is their foundation. That is what their faith and their salvation is in. Is in Jesus Christ, the one who was preached from the beginning. And that truth is being diminished. It's being taught wrongly. It's a lie. And so he's telling them, there's people among you who's being, who's deceiving you, who's telling you lies. And I want to tell you, don't trust them. Don't trust them. And you're not going to trust them. Why? Because you have the truth. Because you have the truth by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. And he makes that very clear through this passage. So let's talk about some of the things he says here. He writes, in verse 18, dear children, this is the last hour. This is the last hour. What does that mean? This means that we're in a time where we are waiting on Christ to return. We're in the last hour. We're a bit in between when Christ first come, came and his second coming. We believe that Jesus will come back, right? As the church, we believe Jesus will come back for his church. He will judge. He will judge. He is our judge. But this was written two thousand years ago. This was written close to two thousand years ago. That's that's past and gone. So why did they use it? Why does he use a phrase like the last hour? It seems like it's close. That's because it is to us. We don't know when Christ is coming back. We have no idea, but I know he's coming back, and I want to be ready for when he comes back. I want to abide in the word and in the spirit, and and when I read this, I want it to conform me into the image of Jesus Christ. So when he comes and he appears, I will see him and I will look like like it talks about in chapter three, this, this book, this letter. And so Jesus is coming back. We know that he's coming back, but we don't know the time or the hour. We don't know that. And so that's why he writes that uh, this is the last hour. This is the last hour. So as believers, we long for the appearance of Jesus. We long to see him. We long to, to see our hope. We long for that. And now because it is the last hour, there are people who are going to be here in the last days. And who are those people? He says they're antichrist. You see that he says, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come. And this is how we know it is the last hour. So we know this because there are people who are against Christ. There are people who are talking about Christ in such a way that they're trying to deceive us of the truth of Christ, of of the truth of Jesus. And that only happens in the last hour, in the last days. Because Christ has come, and he will come again. He has not yet come again, but he will come again for his people. And so, that is what antichrists are. They're simply those who are against Christ. That's what it means for Antichrist. And the spirit of Antichrist is always of lies and deception about who Jesus is. So when people come up to you and they try to tell you about Jesus, listen very clearly. Listen with the intent of the truth that you know in the scriptures and the truth that has been taught from the beginning. Because they can throw little things in there that's half-truths, which there's no such thing. They're lies. And they'll throw that in there trying to make you think that Jesus is not who he really says he is. And that is a very dangerous place to be. And so when you hear somebody talk about Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is very important, it's closed fist, we hold on very tightly to the truth of the gospel. And anything that changes about the gospel, it is not the gospel at all. There is only one, like Paul says in Galatians, in chapter 1 he says, there is no other gospel the gospel that we know, Jesus Christ. So they deny, they deny the Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Christ. That's the kind of things that they're denying. So they deny Jesus altogether. They wouldn't say that probably to your face, like I deny Jesus, but they deny the Jesus that we know. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah the one who came to save us, the only one who can come to save us. Jesus even said this about himself in Matthew 10, verse 33, if you want to write that down. Matthew 10, verse 33, he says, that whoever denies me or disowns me before men, I will disown them before my Father. Wow, pretty clear. You deny me, you disown me before men, Jesus will disown you for His Father. So if you deny Christ, and if somebody's denying that Christ is the Messiah, don't listen to that. That is not true. Christ is the Messiah. He is the one who came for us. He is the one, only one who could come for us and bring us salvation. No one else could do that. Only God in the flesh could do something like that. Only God in the flesh could come on earth And live a perfect life that we could not live. Only God can do that. And he was so humble enough to do that. But if somebody tells you other than that, he is not the Messiah, he is not the Christ. They are a liar. They are lying to you, straight to your face. And that's not their motive probably, but that's what they're doing. So don't believe them. And you're not going to believe them if you have the Spirit of God in you. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you will not believe because the Spirit will reveal the truth. The Spirit will reveal the truth. And I'm, I'm going to talk about some scriptures that talk about that and make that very clear. So I believe this is very applicable to us today. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced somebody coming up and telling you about a Jesus that you've never heard of. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. But it's very possible it will happen to you within your lifetime. I want you to be prepared for it, because there are antichrists. There are people who are against Christ. And they will come to you and tell you a whole bunch of stories. They know nothing about Jesus, but they act like they do. They're genuine, they're good people, don't trust them. They're lying to you. So what is the truth about Jesus? Some of you are asking, okay, you're telling me that all these people are lying. They're telling you things about Jesus. What is the truth about Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. He came to earth, God in the flesh, so that we may have salvation through Him. He lived the life we couldn't live. None of us in here lived the perfect life. We all have sinned. But He lived a life we couldn't live. He died a death we deserved, the wrath of God, and was raised from the dead, which none of us can do here. We cannot raise ourselves from the dead. Nobody in here can do that. Only God can. Only God can. So he, t- he took our place fully by taking the wrath of God upon himself through the cross, making available to us the righteousness of himself. Those who will put their faith and trust. Them. that is the truth about Jesus Christ, the Jesus we know and love who has brought us to himself. That's the Jesus we trust. and anybody who says something different from this word about Jesus, don't trust them. Don't give them an ear. Don't listen to them. Don't even open your door if you know that's what they're coming to talk to you about. I'm serious. I'm serious. It says it in the scripture. Do not open your door to that. Because all that is is falsehood. All that is is lies. You can share the gospel with them, but if all they want to do is tell you about a false Jesus, don't open your door to them. Because they will lead you on a really bad path. A false, falseness and lies, and things that are not in the scripture, things that are twisted. You open your mind up to those things. just because. They're nice people, and they're very genuine. So this is the truth that they heard from the beginning. In verse 24, that's what he says. That's what he writes. He says, as for you, see what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. What I just told you about Jesus, that's what they've been hearing. It's all throughout the scriptures. Go read it yourself. Read it in the Gospels. Read it through the New Testament. Even the prophecies of old. Read about this Jesus who comes to do exactly what I just said he came to do, to give us salvation through his life, death, and resurrection. That's what he came to do. And so read that for yourselves. And that's the truth that they heard from the beginning. The apostles and what they teach, trust those things, nothing else. Trust what's in this and nothing else. When you start trusting what's in this and nothing else, you will not be deceived from the lies because you know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you will be deceived very easily. And that's why the word has to abide in you, and the spirit of God has to abide in you. There's also another sign of Antichrist. He says that they were among them. In verse 19, he says, they were among us, but then they left from us. Satan is really good at trying to deceive his people. It's really good at trying to deceive God's people. And he does it by bringing in wolves in sheep's clothing. He says they were among you. They were with you. But here's a sign. If they leave the fellowship, they were never really among you. They never really were believers. If they just leave completely from from the church, never to be in fellowship with believers and with God again. In the Christ we know. They are not believers. They never were. never were believers. And that's that's the theology of, of John and other passages in Scripture. If you never put your faith in him, you can act like it all day long. But if you never put your faith in him, you go to church and you do all these things and then you leave, it may be a sign to yourself maybe you never were. Maybe you never were of the flock. Maybe you never were of the body of Christ. So that's a sign. That's a sign for them. As John writes to them, he says, look, those people that left, don't trust them. They left because they never were of you. Don't trust those people. Because they're going to tell you lies and they're going to try to deceive you. Now this is what our brain tends to go to. We tend to think legalistically. When we start thinking about perseverance, and making it to the end, and not leaving, we start to think, oh, I have to work towards that. I don't want us to go there. I want us to try to see us clear of that. We're not to think that the persevering in the faith will save us. Persevering in the faith won't save you. It's the fact that you are saved that you persevere. Because you are saved, and the Spirit of God has sealed you, For the day of Christ and his coming, you will persevere. It is not your work. It is the work of Christ in you. Okay? So I want to steer us very clear from that path of legalism, of thinking that, okay, he says, if you were among them, and then they were gone, they're not among you anymore, then they're not really believers. Don't go to the legalistic side of that. Know this, those who persevere, those who persevere in Christ, those are, the, those are the ones who Christ has saved. Those are the ones that he has a hold of by his Spirit. Um, Philippians chapter 1, let's go there. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I want to go to some other scriptures and really make this clear. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So so do you hear that? He says, being confident of this, that that he who began a good work in you. You didn't do it. We didn't do it. Christ began a work in you. And he will." complete it. Not us. So our faith is in not ourselves, but what Christ is doing in us. So that scripture makes it very clear to us that He will cause us to persevere. And how does He do that? Through what avenue? Through what tools? What? How does Christ do that? Well, Christ is in us. His Spirit is in us. We have His Word We have each other. That's how He keeps us. He keeps us by those things. So don't neglect those things. Don't don't starve the Spirit of God. Don't don't think that this isn't important. Don't, Don't put priority of watching TV or other things, other entertainment, over reading this. If you don't read this and you say you don't have time, but you spend hours and hours watching TV, I'm just being real with you. Love the Word, for it keeps you. It keeps you. Remain in it. Remain in the Spirit. And in believers, you see so many one another's in the Scripture. And one of those things is that sometimes we tell each other when we mess up. Especially when we're close, there's a core group of people that you're with. They'll tell you, hey, man, the way you talked to that person. I didn't really show Christ. You're reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the church. You're also encouraged. You get spurred on, spur on one another. There's so many one another's, but you you can't do that unless you're in fellowship with one another. And so how does he keep us? He keeps us through his word, through his spirit, through his church. That's how he keeps us. That's how we persevere, through those avenues. Christ will do that, because what he has begun, he will finish. He's not like us, where we start things, we start a job, and then we kind of get lost in other things. But Christ has started in you, he will finish in you. Go to uh, Jude, Jude uh, verse 24, it's right behind 3 John, go to Jude Verse 24 and 25. This is a great, great passage that we can sit in, that we could lean into on the promises of God even when we're feeling doubtful of our salvation. Verse 24 says, To Him, meaning Jesus, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So you see, to Him who is able to keep you, He is able to keep you. So let that truth ring clear that Christ will finish the work He began. With, and He will persevere. You. He will cause you to persevere. The perseverance of the saints is a very important theological topic that we need to we need to sit in and we need to trust what Christ said about his church and his perseverance. So let's turn back to uh 1 John. So the reason I say that he can keep us through his spirit and his word and it's sitting right here in this passage. It says it right here in this passage. Look at Look at verse 20. In verse 20 it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Who's the Holy One? Who is? What is the anointing? It's the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so he connects that anointing of the Holy Spirit to knowing the truth. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth to us. Without the Holy Spirit, We don't know the truth. And so he connects, trusting in the Spirit and the Word keeps us in the truth. So that's how he keeps us. Look in verse 27. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. So you see, it is the Spirit that teaches us of the truth of Christ. You have people who share the gospel, You may have been here for a very long time, but some people can share the gospel a hundred times to you, and you still don't know it. It still doesn't become clear to you that you have a need for him. And only the Spirit of God can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And so, what I'm saying and what John is saying is that because you know the truth, it's because of the fact that the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Spirit of God has told you the truth, has revealed it to you. And only the Spirit of God can do that work. Which gives us assurance that we don't have to say these beautiful, perfect words. It's really the gospel in itself and the Holy Spirit working through that. So don't put too much confidence, even in evangelism, don't put too much confidence in yourself. Bring the gospel to them. Listen to them with a gospel intentionality. Really listen to them. Hear what they're saying. Share the gospel when the Spirit leads you to. And the Spirit of God will work in those people. If He pleases, He will do that. The Spirit moves, goes wherever it wishes, just like the wind. Like it says in John chapter 3. So The Spirit will do a work. And so the same Spirit The same spirit that gives life to us is the same spirit that will keep us. It's the same spirit that will reveal the truth when lies are being told. That's the same exact spirit. The same word that brings life, like it says in James chapter 1, the word is what gives life to us. That same word that gives life will keep us, will cause us to persevere in the faith. John chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. Just write these down. I'm going to go through them real quick. John 16, verse 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, this is Jesus speaking, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So you see that? But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So that is one of the things that the Spirit does. He guides us in truth, not in lies. So why do we have the truth in us? Because the Spirit of God is in us. Romans 8, 9 through 11 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Multiple times, in just two verses, He says, the Spirit lives in you. And if the Spirit does not live in you, you are not of Christ. It's not like this special thing that only some believers get. Every believer has the spirit of Christ in them. Every believer. So don't, when you're trying to live for Christ and you're trying to follow him, don't lean on yourself. Lean on the spirit of God that is in you. That is the power of God that is in you. And don't take that lightly. But rest in that promise. Rest in that good news that Christ, the Spirit of Christ, has sealed you. So Ephesians 1.13, it, it talks about the seal. It says, "And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. See how the message of truth, the Word of God, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit." There's so many more scriptures. That talk about being sealed with the Spirit and hearing the, the Word of God, the gospel. That's what brings life. And because we're sealed with the Spirit, we have the truth. We have the truth. And when people tell us lies, we know it's a lie because of the Spirit. It's nothing that we have, it's not intellect, it's none of that. We have no boast but Christ and Christ in us. That is our boast. So when people come to us, Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, come to us and try to tell us about a Jesus who is not right here in the scriptures and who we haven't heard about, let the spirit of truth guide you and ask for the spirit as they speak to you. Ask for the spirit of truth to guide you and to speak the true gospel into their lives. So this is applicable. applicable. Is applicable to you. There is people who will try to deceive you of the true Jesus that we believe and we know, we trust that are right here in these scriptures that have been, that have people have believed for 2,000 years. Trust it. Do not let people lie to you. The Spirit will reveal the truth. So the Spirit of God is in those who are believers. They're in us. The Spirit of God is in us. It is the Spirit who draws us through the Word of God and reveals our need and truth about Jesus so we may have faith in Christ for salvation. So you're not to be deceived because you have the Spirit, you have the Word, you have the church. And maybe you're not really sure about this Jesus, the the Jesus that I just talked to you about, the one who came, lived a perfect life, died the death that we deserved, rose from the grave, something that we could never do on on our own. Maybe that doesn't make sense. Pray. Ask the Spirit to reveal it to you. That is my prayer. Also, my prayer is that when people do come to the church, to the Oaks, they're here, but they're not believers. But we will be protected from this by the Spirit of God and through the Word of God, through the elders and the leaders of this church. We will fight the wolves off and the falsehood from the lies, and that the Spirit of God will do the fighting for us. So let's pray. Let's ask God to reveal whatever He must reveal to us through His Word. Do a work within us through his spirit. Let's pray.